And just like that, everybody, welcome to another episode of the Canadian Football Countdown. Remember me? Yep, I'm back after being ill for a couple of weeks. Always good, and I am back to normal and ready to talk football with everybody. And as I said in my Twitter teaser today, I didn't know my description of podcast host included being a referee in a proverbial podcast hustle. So we'll see how that goes. Oh, joking aside, welcome to episode number 193 of the Canadian Football Countdown, the 2022 CFL Division Finals. Recap. Uh, joining me on the show tonight, right beside me, kind of to my left, if everybody sees the same screen that I'm seeing, from Saskatchewan, the great Adam Stewart, otherwise known as Farmer in Saskatchewan. Mr. Farmer, how are you tonight? Hey, I'm doing real good. We're going to be hosting the Great Cup this week. We're already into that point of the year, which is utterly amazing that the time flew that quick. But uh, I just want to remind all the fans that are out and heading towards the Great Cup, uh, stealing wheat and barley and all the other grains like they suggest in Captain Tractor's song, The Last Saskatchewan Pirate, is considered a capital offense in Saskatchewan. So don't let me catch you stealing wheat and barley or any other grain, for that matter. And I'm sure I'm mad, but... I don't need to ask how he's doing because I think the pitchers do justice. But I'm sure he has a lot to say tonight. So I'll bring him in anyway. It is the great, the great Trey Corbett. Hey, man. It's great great to have you back. I honestly thought you took our sponsorship money and fled the country or something, man. I haven't been here from you for a while. Or I no. thought this was your this was your way of letting me go on uh, doing the hockey broadcast. If I just disappear, I can't fire Trey. Um, no, a nasty, nasty multiple virus has had me. Uh, it's that time of year. Yeah, everyone's getting hit, and it doesn't help. Um, yeah, but I'm doing I'm doing pretty good. Um, can't complain. It just seemed to be one thing after another for me. So uh, bear with me if. Uh, the after effects do come tonight in the form of a lingering cough that I still have. Anyway, tonight we will recap the division's finals. We'll break down each of the games from this past week and we'll update our CFL fantasy and betting results. I guess power ranking does not really apply because there are only two teams left after tonight. But we'll also be taking your comments and questions live throughout the night, all made possible by our presenting sponsor, GameTime TV. Learn more by visiting watch.gametimetv.ca or by following on Facebook, facebook.com backslash GameTimeTVMB. Before we go any further, as always, we want to acknowledge that the Canadian Football Countdown is brought to you from Treaty 1 Territory, traditional territory of the Ocean Abbey Cree, OG Cree, Dakota and Dene peoples, as well as the home and the homeland of the Métis Nation, as well as Treaty Four territory, traditional territory of the Cree, Soto, Dakota, Lakota, Nakota, and Métis Nation. 
We'd also like to take this moment to thank one of our sponsors for this episode of the podcast, Bets Down. There are so many different sports books out there these days, and each one offers you different prices on the same game. How do you ensure that you're getting the best value? Betstamp provides you all the info you need at no additional cost. Simply pull up the game on the Betstamp app and see odds offered by each of the different sportsbook affiliate for that particular game to help you place the bet but will maximize the return for, for the pitch you're making. Find some odds you like. Sign up at the corresponding site through the Betstamp Bet link page within the app and link so and link your accounts to help you track the wages that you made. And if you want some extra insights before you place your wagers, check out the commission-free bets that marketplace where you can see the bets that others have placed. And through Betstamp's verified bet tracking, you get the guarantee that the odds you sorry, but the odds that the odds others have picked based on are verified and legitimate. You can find our consensus CFO pits on there under the username CFC Countdown Pod and Trey's pits as well under Trey CF Countdown. Visit betstamp.app or download the free app from your local app store and sign up with referral code CFC to start using BetStamp free today. Best of luck with your wagers, and remember, always bet responsibly. With all that out of the way, and great cup week upon us, a lot of us thought there was a moratorium of sorts on news. It turns out that Motorium starts tomorrow because we were awoken, or I guess middle of the day pings on our phones and devices, which told us that the Calgary Stampeders have traded Bowley by Mitchell, the rights of Bowley by Mitchell to Hamilton for a 2023 third-round pit, a 2024 fifth-round pit, and future considerations. Now, we do not have a lot of time to go through the, all of this tonight, but I thought we would start here, and that is that the rights of Bowley by Mitchell to Hamilton for a third-round pit this year uh, fifth round pit next year and future considerations. Now, for those that aren't familiar, this does not mean that Bo Levi Mitchell has signed a contract with Hamilton as of yet. This is just the negotiating rights to Bo Levi Mitchell or any subsequent player that has his rights traded. Your initial reactions. Thoughts, opinions, suggestions. I think it's only fair we start with Adam because I think there was a lot of talk about Bowley by Mitchell and Saskatchewan, at least from what I heard. Your thoughts, Adam? Bowley by Mitchell, at least right now, property of the Hamilton Tiger Cats 
for negotiation purposes until there's a contract. Yeah, you know what? I looked at this here and uh, myself, I'm not that overly disappointed about it. I mean, when you got a guy like Bo Levi Mitchell, I mean, he is an elite quarterback. He still probably is in the CFL. And you look at a team like Hamilton, don't forget what they're doing next year. They're hosting the Grey Cup. So they want to make sure that they probably give one last kick at this can uh, to try to make it into the Grey Cup and possibly win it. So I could see why uh, why Hamilton pulled the trigger on it to uh, give a third round, a fourth round, or a fifth round, and possibly a little bit more. Probably, I'm guessing, the contingency is if only by Mitchell signs in Hamilton. But uh, no, I, I could see why Hamilton did this because they want that opportunity and they want to show that they're all in for the Grey Cup next year. Uh, as for a uh, fan from Saskatchewan, in a way, I'm not disappointed with this as much as guys would think because, to me, I think Saskatchewan is on a different road. They're on the road of needing to start to rebuild instead of going and bringing in one big-name quarterback and possibly trying for another shot at the Grey Cup. To me, I think this is a rebuild in Saskatchewan, and maybe that's a little bit of acknowledgement that they wouldn't pay Calgary what they wanted. That Then again, it could also be Calgary saying, let's trade him off to Hamilton. At least we don't have to put up with him as much in Saskatchewan. So it's tough to say which way this was working out. But in my case, as a Saskatchewan Rough Rider fan, I'm not disappointed in this because you're looking towards the future right now. And to me, there is a beautiful quarterback that just won a game against the UBC Thunderbirds this week that Saskatchewan maybe should start thinking about considering bringing in for the future for their team. Not saying right away, but I want to see soon, uh, maybe in a year or two, that uh, is six foot two, two hundred and fifteen pounds, and local kid might just get that Nathan Rourke uh, thing that's been everybody's been talking about. You never know. But uh, to me, Saskatchewan needs a very reasonably placed uh, quarterback so that they can focus on other pieces that they need, like oh, I don't know, an offensive line. Uh, Trey, what was your thoughts on this trade? Thank God he's out of division. That's all I could think of that, uh, you know, uh, only have to see him, what, twice at most. I think a lot of the schedules lately, you see some teams only once a year from across division or not at all, depending on how they go next year. Yeah, only having to see him twice if he's the starter. You know, there's still Dane Evans there in Hamilton. You don't know what's going on there. You know, I see I seen you, Adam, today asking some questions about the XFL because I think I made a good point about Bo and that and what he could do going down there. And I still think that's a possibility. I saw someone said something about um, the pay structure. I could see them not ha them having uh, very easily to sway money one way or another to get some key names in that league. And I think Bo could be one. Um, but he's also maybe got some unfinished business and wouldn't mind taking Hamilton to the Great Cup in Hamilton, maybe even against Calgary, you know, next year or something. So definitely could see that. From Saskatchewan's standpoint... Yeah, yeah. I, I'd go into the get the guy you're talking about or wait for Curtis Rourke in two years or whatever it's going to be. Uh, if I was a if I was a betting man, you know, I don't do any of that stuff. Um, but if I was, I would put probably my money on Saskatchewan not making the playoffs next year unless they have a crazy good free agency, which we see in the CFL more than not. But BC's terrifying. Winnipeg is probably going to be still kind of scary. Calgary, you never know. They've always been traditionally good. You would think Chris Jones will have Edmonton a little better. It's going to be tough. And the East is getting a little better, as we've seen. So that crossover is getting tough, I feel, for a little bit for Saskatchewan. But, if Adam, if you're okay with another rebuilding year 
or potentially or get a get a rookie quarterback in there then who am i to argue with you the other thing also is on this that I really think that uh, you're right, Trey. I mean, to me, Saskatchewan doesn't need a veteran quarterback right at the moment. And they need somebody that they can afford to have, but also can afford to fix where their problems are, which is on the old line. Uh, if they work on that, I think that's what they need to work on first. Uh, uh, Mike, what was your thoughts on the trade? You know what? The initial reaction is, yes, I'm, I'm not surprised you went to Hamilton. I... I mean, I'm looking at this from both perspective. There seems to be a lot more unknown with going to Saskatchewan than going with Hamilton, at least at the present moment. I would suggest that Bo maybe perhaps wants to know who his offensive coordinator is, which I don't think you can give an answer for right now. What does the team look like? I don't know if you can give an answer uh, for that. Um, and as well, I, I, I think this is a move that, I'll be I'll caution. I think would put Hamilton over the top as far as maybe one of the positions that they were ailing at uh, this year. I, I not to not to ha- take away anything from Dane Evans. I think he his struggles early on in the season and that guy kind of cost Hamilton a little bit. But you know that's that's water under the bridge right now. I think this is everything to do about trying to win another great cup at home. Uh, you know, you had 19 and 21 as appearances in the final. Uh, you lost both of them. This is kind of a rebuild it year. Um, as far as, you know, Bo, I think he's a flashy kind of new shiny toy. And I think that's something that appeals to Bobby. I'm assuming they get him under contract now. I'm not telling you going to sit here and say the deal is done, but I don't think you made a deal like this uh, without some semblance of assurances that a deal could get done between now and February uh, and, and the start of free agency. So, you know, hop in the deep end with a splash. And, and I, I wonder, Adam, you know, this, and the guy you're referring to is Mason Nias, uh, by the way, from the U of S Huskies, uh, I, I have to wonder if Saskatchewan's future quarterback isn't on the team that Bo Levi Mitchell is likely to play for this year and is a free agent who wouldn't necessarily command a lot of money, but I think the guy that really deserves a fair and honest shot at trying to be a number one, and that's Matthew Schultz. Um, Hey, if you're gonna make a rebuild and you're gonna throw all this money potentially at fits in an offensive line and you want kind of an inexperienced, uh, a serviceable quarterback that isn't gonna break the bank, uh, Matthew Schultz may fit that equation. Um, although I would be interested to suggest to you that I think the quarterback pool uh, is a little bit thin this year as far as top-end quarterbacks, that would kind of fit the solution. So, And you know what? For the right deal, I would trade them in division, but obviously the right deal wasn't there, and that's that's where this deal was made. And I I fully believe that there was a calculated um, risk for Saskatchewan. I would suspect that everybody that wanted it excuse me, a quarterback uh, lined up to make an offer. And 
just like anything anybody gets traded. You have an, a right to accept an offer or decline an offer based on whatever circumstances benefit your team. So job well done if you're Hamilton. And now it remains to be seen if he's signed. I Listen, guys, you, I think all of us can agree. I think we'd be stunned if he doesn't sign in Hamilton. Um, personally, I don't think he made this deal otherwise. And, you know, it's really only six, seven, eight, nine wins, and he did a home playoff game. I'm not saying that's the easy way to the great top, but, you know, Hamilton's the type of city that would embrace Bowley by Mitchell, and I, I just can't even shudder to think what happens if the Riders have to go back to Cody Pichardo. But that's, that's a discussion for another day. But I, I fully... Well, can I jump in? It, let's just assume Bo signs in Hamilton. Where the hell does Fajardo go? That kind of opens up this whole talk too, right? Because well, but I know, really don't other, think he's going back. Teams, but there's other teams that have free agent quarterbacks this year. For example, McCall Biffle-Thompson is a free agent quarterback at the end of the mm-hmm. season. So... Do do you think I'm, they don't re-sign the guy that's one game away from winning a great cup? You never know. Or could win the I, great cup? I mean, depends on the price, right? No. I mean, you got to balance your whole team out there. I guess I so. Mean, and then Toronto spends a lot of money on their offensive line and on their receiving core. How much money do they really have to spend on a guy like McLeod Bethel Thompson if he asks for a 200K increase? I mean, yeah. if he wins the great cup, he's going to ask for big money. And Do you think Fajardo's not going to ask for decent money, though? Well, but you know what? I seen this situation happen in 2007 when Kerry Joseph won the Grey Cup for Saskatchewan. Everybody thought, ah, he's going to re-sign Saskatchewan. No question, right? All of a sudden, nope. He wanted way more money and shipped him off to Toronto because Saskatchewan couldn't afford him. So, I mean, it could happen again. Am I going to say it will here? I don't know. I mean, they do have Chad Kelly also in the background, which might be another option for Toronto. However, I would think that they want more of an experienced quarterback, so Fajardo might be an option. Uh, Montreal as well. I mean, Trevor Harris signed to a one-year deal. Uh, that could be an option for uh, for Cody Fajardo as well. Uh, compete for the number one job in Montreal. Even uh, Edmonton, I don't know if they're exactly convinced uh, totally on Taylor Cornelius. I would think they are because they did pay him a pretty good contract. But again, in CFL, I mean, yeah, a little bit of that was guaranteed now, but Cody Fajardo may come pretty cheap to one of the teams to get a chance to prove himself uh, for a one-year prove-me deal. So hard to say on any of that. And really, again, it's so early in this, and we're not even through the Grey Cup yet. And, I mean, Saskatchewan is already pretty much jumping off of the cliff if they hadn't jumped before the playoffs. This news gives me vibes of, like, Tom Brady retiring, kind of the stern news. Like, only Bo would... I know it wasn't him, but only Bo Levi seems like the guy that would get traded Grey Cup week to kind of take it away from the game, right? Like, no one else getting traded this week would cause as much of a stir, but, yeah. But, Dad, I think it's important to remember, too, much of the talk about the CFL isn't necessarily about the game this week, right? You're, you're trying to talk about anything CFL-related, right? I mean, this is Canada's version of Super Bowl week, and if this is something to tip off the week, hey, I'm all for it. And then tomorrow we probably don't get, starting tomorrow through till Monday, we probably don't get news about the rest of the lead, uh, given that it's great tough week. So a little bit of something for everybody to chew on every day to kind of keep it at the front of the forefront uh, of, of great tough week for sure.
Uh, we'll have a lot more to discuss about the off-season plans uh, for Bowley by Mitchell and Hamilton uh, coming up shortly. But let's get into recapping the games quickly here. Uh, the East Division Final was played at BMO Field in Toronto. And Toronto employed a two-headed monster in A.J. Willett and Andrew Harris. I dropped them off to a great start. Uh, Gittins Jr. with a couple of catches. But the story in this one, gentlemen, McLeod Bethel-Thompson putting on an air show uh, in this one, to which it was the first quarter that was the undoing for the Montreal Alouettes. Just too big of a hole uh, to climb out of. Uh, the Ardos finally overcome slow offensive starts in previous East Finals to finally win a home playoff game and represent the East in the Great Cup. Trey, what are your thoughts on this game? I'm astonished. I was looking at the stats, and Montreal did all the keys, that Trey's keys to win a game. Uh, Harris didn't throw, turn the ball over, stand back, led the like game in rushing. Fletcher had a couple of yards to add, too. The Phil Pot kid. Like I said, we talked about this at the beginning of the year. I think everyone was a little higher on the Calgary one, but the Montreal Phil Pot kid just went off to 127 yards. Uh, I think there were, yeah, Cote was four for four on kicking. I don't know, like this was Montreal's game. They had a slow start. All hats off to Toronto. Uh, Bevel Thompson, you know, he just did enough to win. He kind of, that, that both games combined, if you look at the winning quarterback stats, they just did enough to win. Claros didn't have a hell of a game, and neither did Bethel Thompson. Cold games, defense wins championships, like the great John Madden says, right? So, it, I don't know. I'm not too sure what to think about this game next week, and I know we had a couple sleeps to think about it before the Thursday show. Neither team was spectacular, in this and you can also almost argue that the losing team had you know greater stats and better performances but that's why you win november football games right in toronto and um but yeah i'm pretty scared i'm pretty scared to see harris next week i'm as a a bomber fan i'm a little scared to see andrew harris next week because he's a guy that plays pissed off and he's I wouldn't. I could see him and him and Jefferson and him and Jeff Code and all the and Biggie. They're gonna see each other at the line, and I I wouldn't want to be either one of them. Right? It's a train hitting a train. It, so. Is there something to be said though when both teams are sloppy? Uh maybe to have a really good start like like the Ardos did. I mean, they, you know, guys. I was watching this first half before a hockey game that I had to go to, and I. Quite honestly, thought the game was over at twenty-one to three or whatever it was, uh, pretty early into the second quarter. Uh, credit to Montreal for making this a game. If you're Toronto, what kind of lessons did you learn? Maybe in the second half, where the game was kind of slipping away, and you had that touchdown at the end of the third quarter to to kind of reassert control. If you're Toronto here, Adam, what did you learn in this game? Well, I think you learned a couple things. One, Andrew Harris is healthy and ready to go, uh, which is a bad thing for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, if anything. Uh, But uh, that being said, 
you got to learn that you can play on both sides of the football. And Toronto finally learned they can throw the football up and make some plays. They had Brandon Banks on five receptions. I think four of those probably counted. Uh, He was fighting the refs in the uh, white line all day, it seemed. Uh, Also, he had one of the best hacky sack catches I've ever seen in the CFL for a long time, Uh, which cost Montreal their challenge flag really early in this game, uh, which was probably, I hate to say, might have been the turning point because there was a couple of other calls later on that Montreal maybe could have challenged, but, you know, didn't have one. So uh, that was one thing that I think Toronto learned, though, that they have a quarterback that is capable of throwing a long ball and throwing footballs when he needs to. Uh, They also learned again that their defense is still a very good defense. Uh, You look at how this game went. A guy that we haven't heard of all week, Dahina Moamba. All year we haven't heard of Moamba because he hasn't done a whole lot. But this game, seven tackles. I mean, they were tackling solid. Jamal Peters had a big game again. Had five defensive tackles, one special teams. And also that big force fumble uh, when they needed to have that play. Uh, Chris Edwards had a pretty good game as well. Uh, Lots of guys in the defensive to Toronto Argonauts did enough to stop Trevor Harris uh, while they could. I mean, Trevor Harris had a good game overall when you look at it. I mean, he had 362 yards passing, and that's nothing to sneeze at, and an 80-plus percent completion percentage. I mean, Trevor Harris did all he had to do in this game. Uh, but you're right. This game here was really not maybe Toronto's best game either. Uh, we we were talking about the two-headed monster on there, but it was mostly receiving yards that the uh, two running backs got uh, to get this thing going because – it really, A.J. Lett and Andrew Harris, I think, had 46 and 36 yards or something like that. It wasn't a whole lot of yardage for the two, 42 and 38. Not a whole lot of yardage from the two running backs on the ground, but in the air, they did have quite a little bit of uh, success. So, to me, I think they learned that they can pass the ball when they need to pass the ball and that they got a quarterback that's capable of passing the ball and can play in that big game when they need them. Uh Again, he seemed to move the ball at will. Uh, McLeod Bethel-Thompson in this game did a very good job of controlling the game, I thought. And overall, uh, Toronto proved that they can play probably with some of the best. And, well, as Rick, as the great Ric Flair usually says, to be the best, you got to beat the best. I guess we're going to find that out next week. I just want to say, I've been saying all year, Brandon Banks, Andrew Harris, well, that's they come in November. I just want to say I said it all year, and I knew it was going to play out like that, and it's going to play out like that next week, too. Who are you going to lean on? The guys who have been there before for multiple teams. Yeah, it doesn't matter how cold it is in Regina, because Brandon Banks and Andrew Harris have played in that game how many times over the last, you know, five, six, seven, eight years, right? So, yeah. But then you could say the same thing for Winnipeg, so that's why it's going to be an exciting game. But, Mike, what's your thoughts? Yeah, there's, there's also Jader Davis, too, who's been there for seemingly the last, you know, seven, eight years with multiple teams. Um, you, you know, one thing that kind of, I don't know, irritates me, um, I'll say this right here because I think this is a fair comment. Um, I think, to be honest with you, we were robbed of pretty good football this weekend. I I don't know where you guys sit on this. I think this game was very anticlimactic. Uh, for the most part, I think, you know, the the West final was very anticlimactic for the most part. Um, 
I think this bolsters the case for, you know, the top sips and the reseed getting rid of divisions. And, you know, I don't know how much of this matchup really entices a lot of people. To, if I'm being completely honest with the situation, but congrats to the Ardles on a, on a great uh, game. Um, the one thing I will say, and I don't say this from a position of uh, being brighty or showboaty in any way, the Ardles are going to have to step up their game if they're going to beat a team like Winnipeg. That is just the way it is. But I would love to see, and I think this the saving grace for them is that they have a motivated Andrew Harris, a healthy Andrew Harris, uh, going into the great Tapalama front and bench two guys that want to win the great Tapalama to Derek Davis. So that's going to kind of lead them. Uh, into this next week experience versus inexperience. I mean, I look at it, right? In 2019, we were basically in the same position. We had Winnipeg with the Hamilton team that was 15 and three, right? The Winnipeg team at 13 in the West didn't really have a lot of experience. And how you gain experience is by playing in games like these. And yeah, Experience probably favors, not favor Toronto, but for, for this game anyway, they did what they needed to do to win. And let's quickly look ahead uh, to Montreal. And I'll start with this one, if it's okay, guys. We asked the question about the offseason outlook. Where do the Alouettes go from here? I'm going to say it right here, right now. I thought this was a very successful season. Uh, for Montreal, all things considered, uh, considering where Finch could have gone. Uh, it, to me, this season was very could have very easily gone off the rails uh, when they fired Tahari Jones. Uh, they were one possession. That's what this game really was, a one-possession game from going on the Grey Cup and a team that I thought had a really good second half of the year. So... Now comes the critical decision, and I know this is going to be tapped and obvious, but who is going to be the coach and what kind of um, what kind of uh, systems will they instill? What does their quarterback situation look like? How does the new coach make his stamp on this Montreal team, which I think is pretty good? Uh, I also believe they have a decision to make regarding William Standback. I feel just Juan Antwi and Walter Fletcher have been uh, more than adequate. I believe there's a decision to be made with William Stanback. A lot of positives, I think, with Stanback in this game in particular uh, from what I saw. But, you know, there's going to be some personnel decisions. The only caveat I would throw out there would be to suggest, but I hope the new coach doesn't necessarily hear footsteps uh, from his general manager who, you know, was just the head coach for the large portion of this season and doesn't feel the pressure of having to be relieved of his duties 
because there's a guy up in the box that could take his job. So I, I, I think that's where I see Montreal. Um, I see Trevor Harris being the perfect fit. But again, that was with this year's coaching staff, this year's offensive coordinator. Um, the new coach would probably want his own stamp on the team. So, But again, Danny Mattel has built a pretty good core. So maybe some fine-tuning around the edges. Really intrigued who the coach is going to be. For me, the name that jumps out, and I don't know if Calgary would let this gentleman go, but I think it's time to look at a guy like Mark Killam, uh, special teams coordinator for Calgary. That's how Shea cut his teeth, special teams and defensive side of the ball. It's time to give a guy like uh, Mark Killam a look. Uh, in Montreal, even though people suggest, you know, that's Jason Moss's job, just just me, from the outside, Jason Moss didn't really do a whole lot in past experiences, particularly this season, to say that he should be the shoe-in guy. I, I would encourage Montreal to paint outside the box. Mark Killam would be my pick. Uh, what are your thoughts, Trey? Sorry, I couldn't find the mute button there. Uh, my thoughts is Montreal should do whatever they can to make Gary Stern the 100% owner of the team. That's what I honestly think uh, in the offseason. But, um, yeah, because he was great this weekend, honestly. And even in the loss, he was great. He just That's what you want, right? But uh, we're going to talk on field. I'm a big believer in if it's not broke, don't fix it. So why would the GM not coach next year like you know like why would Machado not you know he yeah he he fired one of the maybe one of the most popular-ish coaches of late and guys in the CFL it took his job and led the team to like you said one drive away from being in the Grey Cup so I mean it depends on what he wants maybe he wants to get compensated I don't know this the GM is your head coach does that fix anything with the salary cap does GM sit into that so I don't know. Like, does that help anything? I don't know. I mean, there's a lot you can look at. Who knows? I'm not going through the rule book right now. My Uncle Gary will know. Um, but, you know, yeah, I think you just got to do whatever you can do to keep Gary Stern in the fold at 25%, 50%, whatever it is. Like, that guy's great and makes for great uh, entertainment. Adam, what do you think about uh, the Le Alouettes? Well, first things first, I think that they should really keep that head on uh, Davis Sanchez at all times. Touche looks very good on him. I think he should become the new mascot for the Montreal Alouettes. Okay, let's get serious here, though. Um, Danny Machocha did an okay job coming into a season that, again, was starting to go downhill, or at least he thought it was going to go downhill. So, admirable job. I'm not a big Danny Machocha fan myself, like I've said many times on the podcast here. But, you know what, he's done an okay job for what he did this year. However, one thing that Montreal really needs to work on is team discipline. This thing cost them again in the great in the East Final here. Essentially, that last drive was assisted entirely by the Montreal Alouettes, essentially taking dumb penalties in it. So that's one big thing the Montreal Alouettes still need to work on. It didn't change after Kahari Jones, and it, uh, Danny Machocha didn't change that as well. Not as much. There was a few less penalties, I'll give it that, but it was still enough that it cost you in a big game. And I think that could have made one big piece. Uh, the other part on this here is make sure you sign Trevor Harris to at least a two or three year deal. 
because I think Trevor Harris has definitely deserved it after this year. Had some big, I mean, Eugene Lewis as well. I think if he's a free agent, you got to put him back on the roster and uh, maybe find him a piece or two to help him out because Jake Winicky had a kind of an off year. He might have a good year next year. It's hard to say. Uh, I think you keep William Stanback myself because he has been a big rock uh, for the Montreal Alouettes. And even in this game, had 80 plus yards. Again, he's covering back from a serious injury. He'll be back and recovered and ready to go for next year. I think he's your quarter uh, running back going into this next season. On the defensive side of the football, the Alouettes have got some really great pieces coming and upcoming. Uh, Moore is one of them that I can think of. Uh, You've got other guys on that on that defense that are just solid pieces, and I don't think you really want to mess with that a whole lot. Uh, I mean, Wes Sutton has been a big piece in there. Darius Pickett. A lot of those players from Montreal have done quite a bit this season. Again, have taken some of those penalties that are a little questionable at times, but I think you can work on that. I think the big part is you need a coach that will preach discipline first. And that's why I'm saying don't take Jason Moss. We remember the Edmonton days when he used to take massive amounts of penalties on the Edmonton Elk sideline. So please. And, and they had to take out an auxiliary budget for broken headsets. And Gatorade bottles. Don't forget the Gatorade jug. You can't. You can never forget the Gatorade jug, also because he's taken his beatings on those before. So, nevertheless, I think the Alouettes. All they really need to do is get a good head coach that uh, can work real well with Coach Calvillo as the offensive coordinator. Can go work well with Noel Thorpe. Noel, Noel Thorpe did a great job, I thought, in defense this year. Uh, so, I mean, I don't think there's a whole lot really for the Montreal Alouettes to do, other than re-sign a few pieces again. William Stanback probably being the biggest one, and if Eugene Lewis is, is open. And Trevor Harris, because Trevor Harris was a big piece of this uh, offense this year and could show that he could still throw with the best of them. So, to me, uh, not a whole lot, like I said, just the coach, namely for me. I'm still, like I say, not a Danny Machocha fan, even if he took you to the East Final. Uh, to me, I think he's needed a better coach. And uh, yeah, if David Sanchez wants to apply for a touche job. Are we barking down the wrong tree to suggest that Anthony Calvillo should get a look at head coach? It's not a bad idea. I mean, uh, I wonder if the guy's really wanting it, though, right now. No, I, I, I'm, I'm just suggesting, like, if, if you're going to go, you know, the quarterback, the quarterback route uh, with Jason Moss, which has been out there seemingly for months, which I think the three of us would agree to stay away from, is it too early to give Anthony Calvillo a look? Or if this backfires, would you worry about that ruining his legacy in Montreal? I mean, anything's better than the Indianapolis Colts, Colts right? The Saturday guy, whatever, right? So I guess you could go with Kahari. Or not Kahari, I mean uh, AC. I, you know, does That's coaching key, if you're a horrible coach, does that really wreck your player legacy? Like, look at Wayne Gretzky was a horrible yeah, coach, but does it really change how we view him? No. Well, Steve Nash didn't work out in Brooklyn. He's still a great, probably the greatest Canadian player. Like, you don't, I don't know. But if anything, it reinforces just how difficult coaching and playing is. And well, how, and how you're, you're telling me Belichick be... played football? He doesn't look like he played a down in his life. Well, yeah, but then again, Jeff Saturday comes in with coaching high school. Marty St. Louis comes, you know, from yeah. coaching 13-year-olds to 
you know, doing a respectful job, a respectable job with the Montreal Canadiens. So I don't know, guys. It's it, it, it's interesting, but I we can agree that it's time for Montreal to go outside the box with their coaching hire, and we believe that that could be a fundamental, uh, solid first step. Can Can Gary Stern be the coach? I think that would be great. I, I, I don't know. As much as I would uh, like that, I would understand if he didn't want it. From <laughs> they need to get him on the panel at least, like or something. Like, yeah. oh, man, it's right such a missed right marketing opportunity. You know, right beside Milt. Oh, he's always tweeting at them too, so it'd just be perfect. He would fit perfectly in. Great Cup week, man. Like now that the Montreal's not in it, it's completely fine to have him on the panel. Does, uh, does Lapple ever get another look? He should be on the CFL panel this week. That's just my opinion. Um, does, does Lapple get another look as head coach? I don't know. Um, uh, I, You know what? To be honest, I'm looking over at Winnipeg and saying maybe does Richie Hall get a shot at head coach? Yeah. Well, with the caveat that you know, I'm just thinking about the Paul Affelice scenario. He's been head coach twice. I don't think both situations have been the greatest for him. Uh, well, I agree. I agree. I'm just saying he, he's out of out of a lot of the people names were saying he does have the most experience, although not the best winning experience. So yeah. I don't know if a team like and I don't know how does I mean how does does Machado which or whatever want a guy that he can a longtime veteran that knows the game, or does he want to go with AC who's, you know, a little bit greener at coaching or Richie Hall? Like, you know, I don't know. What's was Machado's more of an offensive guy, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. And then maybe Richie Hall would be okay. And then I know Machado would be GM and then you kind of have both sides of it. Right. But I don't know. I'm just thinking that I'm like, (laughs) Richie Hall based on what I've seen has the credentials to be a head coach, but I don't know if he strikes me in that character. Uh, I, I don't know him all that well, but he doesn't seem like a yeller and a screamer. Uh, maybe that's the type of um, maybe that's the type of coach you need as a Tom Demeter guy. Um, but I, I don't know how I'd feel about you know, Richie Hall. I mean, he's paid his dues. I'll, I'll throw that kind of idea out there. And that has nothing to do with me not wanting to lose Richie Hall. He's he can guy. go. If he plays zone defense on Sunday, he can go. He can go anywhere, man. I don't care. I don't want him on the team if he loses us this game on Sunday. Yeah, so I don't he, care, man. The bottom line, guys, is there's a lot of candidates, and Montreal has yeah. to get this right. Um and oh my god! Then, Can yeah. I throw a name out that I I don't even know where he coaches these days? I want Coach Wiley to be a head coach. Yeah, <laughs> that would be interesting. Would that would not would that not be the great? I think that'd be pretty good. Well, to talk about one coach from another yeah. coach that didn't necessarily lose his job, but has full confidence in his football team going forward, and said Brady Olivera. Some pretty nice things about Brady Oliveira and had a nice little shot with his quarterback there, but we were able to see on the camera. 
Uh, Rich Campbell, we know, isn't going anywhere. Uh, despite the BC Lions losing 28-20 to the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Uh, Trey Colbert, I'll open the floor to you on this one. Um, I know you've been burning to, to let your thoughts out. Um, I've had I'm open it. book, man. I just, the ball, I don't know. I just, there's that run game that we all didn't think existed. Uh, it was just, I don't really have a lot to say. I would just, Adam gets under my skin sometimes, man. That's all it is. And it's just a classic Saskatchewan Manitoban thing. And he knows how to get at me. He knows I grew up on the border, so he knows exactly what to do. And, uh, you know, like, so don't, I don't know. Like, this was one of the weird game. I understand what you were saying, Mike, earlier. The games, even though they came down to a touchdown, they weren't like over the top thrillers, like, you know, 45, 44, you know, gunslinger shows. But it was classic November football. You gave Oliveira the ball. He, he, he chalked up the yards. Um, Zach Claros is fine. Don't, no, he's, he's fine. Um, I he's fine. He's fine. And even you know what? Even not even not, I'll still say Drew Brown and Prucop, man, and they'll they'll get the job done, or maybe Strevy will sign a one-day contract here or something, you know, maybe <laughs> come in. Hey, if he's on the bombers, he can't be Saskatchewan's quarterback next year, Adam. So, you know, um yeah, but you know, on the bombers side, did they bombers played classic blue bombers other than one oopsie by Caleros? You know, he played that classic game manager only through for 178, but 70% in the touchdown. Oliveira 130 for 20 carries. That's Andrew Harris kind of numbers. And if you add him his uh, four catches and 37 yards in the past game, that's unreal. Dembski was Dembski. Schoen was Schoen. Bailey was Bailey. You know, Craig Craig Ellingson, I don't think he should have played. I don't – he looks like a garbage bin out there. And um, – but, you know, and the kicking game. The kicking game's horrible. I can kick better than that. Coach Wiley can kick better than that. Like, you got to be be- better legs. Uh, but from the other side, Nathan Rourke – Ah, man, that was the least Nathan Rourke. That, that's one reason, too, why I said he should not play this year is I didn't want him hurting any stock in himself playing 70, 60%. I know Adam, I can argue about this, but even in his press conference, he said he doesn't know if he's coming back to BC. So what's on his radar then? He's not going to another team in the CFL. So what's on his radar? And it's down south to be on, on Madden and to play in the NFL and play on Sundays and do all that. I don't know if this game hurt him, but I don't think it helped him. And, you know, because what the NFL is going to want, they're going to want to look at guys who can play off a hurt foot uh, in cold weather at times. So I don't know. We'll see. Nathan Rourke, I give it to the kid. I felt for him when I saw him emotional on the sideline. That actually got to me. He fought so hard to come back and to just have that game. Eesh, but that's just a class. It was a classic Blue Bomber win. They choked them out slowly and never looked back. And, yeah, basically it was like USC or later on Saturday. So yeah, Adam or my or whoever. I, I struggle with what's next for Nathan Ward. We'll, we'll get into that discussion as far as the offseason outlook for BC. Um, I hate to mention this at the end. I didn't like the PATs that were missed. Uh, there was an unnecessary. Two point convert given up. Um, you know where I'm going with this. The Bombers should have won this game by more convincing fashion, uh, but shot themselves in the foot. But I just want to make a quick mention here. 
to the Blue Bomber crowd. 26 seconds to get a playoff because Nathan Ward and the Lions cannot hear. Hat off. This is why you play for home field in November for moments like this when your team is not at its best. You pick them up. Off do you think mat. like eight weeks away too played into that? Nathan Rourke being eight weeks or however long it was on the sideline? Yeah, possibly. Because I, I get the crowd thing, but I don't know. You're He's played in some pretty big stadiums over his career in the in the Div 1 there or wherever he played, right? So I, I don't know the crowd. I Yeah, good, good job on the Bomber fans, but it's always loud in, in IG but, Field but and, and Mosaic team. and stuff. It, it's huh? one it's one thing to be Nathan Ward, but if the receivers don't know what's going on, well, he's probably playing. You... No, that's fair. Yeah. He's just probably calling the wrong plays because he's been away for so long or something. You know, and he's twenty four and getting. I don't know. I, I'm just not a big as home field advantage guy when it comes to that. That stupid little countdown we have, or whatever stupid thing we do with the hundred something. I it's just. No, it's just teams have procedures. Teams have misplay calls. Team, so, it's I, I don't know. Sorry, Trey, I'm I'm struggling with that. That are you discrediting home field? Honestly, I like I don't think home. I, I don't think it really matters in today's sports. I'll argue that I'll one. Baseball, baseball, we lost that. Well, baseball was the last bat, and that's it. I'm taking a bat by that comment, and I'm kind of struggling with it, like. I'm not oh, gonna get mad. I'm not gonna, you know, pit, get mad, Mike. Get mad. It's a fight here, but I don't know. I'm just trying to put myself in the shoes of: Do we have a different result if the game is in BC? No. Yes. Yes. Only because it's in a dome, but not the crowd. Uh, okay. Okay. But yeah, it, but if it was the same, if it was the same conditions in BC, no. No, I, I, I see what you're saying, but I'm just struggling with the standpoint that the crowd wasn't the benefit of a penalty. Because I don't know, Matt. I just don't buy into it as much. If that's, if that's quiet at the church mouse, they just have playoff quit. You know what I mean? So, like, I mean, I, I see what you're saying, but I just don't. I just I just feel home field in November was part of the reason this game was won by the home team. We're just gonna have to agree to disagree, man. I, I I'm getting DMs from Adam to say wrap this up, man. So let's go. <laughs> Come on, man. I got some comments on this too here sometime. I mean, well, it, 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 I'm, it, just, it, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. There was a neutral field game in Munich on Sunday for the NFL. It didn't matter, uh, you know what I mean. The, the Great Cup's a neutral field game. It's going to be loud. I, I I just don't buy into home field. Like I said, baseball with the last bat and hockey with the last change is all you've got in sports now for being home. And you get to pick your jerseys. Like that's it. You know, I'll argue a little bit, Trey, because I'm going to play. Um, I agree with Mike on this. In 2013, when I went to the Grey Cup, I remember at 2:40 p.m. and this was five o'clock kickoff for the Grey Cup and against Hamilton. The Henry chants were already starting and they were loud and they were obnoxious and they went all through practice before Henry hit the field. They were already chanting Henry uh, outside the practice field. They're chanting Henry. And you can't tell me that doesn't play to a guy's psyche when 
a little bit. I mean, maybe not all the time, but again, a guy is sitting there hearing 33,000 screaming fans yelling Henry at him the whole time. Uh, or again, in this case, they were just making a pile of noise. Uh, I'll give Winnipeg fans credit. All 30,319 of them. Good job. You guys did mess with probably Nathan Rourke a bit. However, this being said, BC's got to be smarter than this because you know that it's going to be loud. You go and you call your first four plays before you even start. Make sure you have them called out. Make sure you're ready to go and you go out in the field. They had time. They had three series before that. So you get everybody together. You get it planned out and get ready to go. Now, on this other part, though, of this game here, I'm going to be a little bit of an anti-Winnipeg guy. And I mean, you know, surprise, surprise. But here's my thing. Winnipeg, don't take this as a as a real shot. But remember, in 2019, you won because of a crossbar. In 2021, you won because of a uh, upright. And in 2022, you won because of time management. Every West final, it just somehow Winnipeg pulls it off. I mean, it's a little bit with the quarterback. I understand Zach Caleros has been a great quarterback and has been on fire for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. And if he doesn't make the Hall of Fame, nobody deserves to be in the Hall of Fame, plain and simple. Uh, that being said, Brady Oliveira had it, did what he had to do, put 130-plus yards on the board, had gotten a good game. However, Nathan Rourke had a pretty good game overall. Uh, a couple weird uh, throws, some of those a little bit off right off the bat. But again, that's emotions in a 24-year-old kid. I mean, Winnipeg should have absolutely rattled and finished this game off real early. The fact that it went down to an eight-point game with a minute 30 on the clock, there's been a lot of quarterbacks over the years that have gone on and to go and put this game into overtime or worse. So to me, Winnipeg, you can hang your hat that you're going to the Grey Cup again, but now you've got a, a PO'd Andrew Harris to worry about next week, and you can't tell me that he don't want his third Grey Cup also. Um, Adam, you got you got to be lucky to be good, and to be good to be lucky, man. Right? The lucky whitehead wasn't even in this game. I mean, uh, <laughs> well, you know what I mean, though. I know. <laughs> yeah, you twisted on me there. You drive me nuts. But anyways, uh, no, like I say, I mean, to me, BC did a had a pretty decent game. I mean, Holland's looked like he had a decent game again. Uh, BC overall. I mean, the big thing they couldn't get going, I think, was that they were missing from last week was James Butler didn't really have the rushing yards. I mean, he only had four yards, period. Uh, there was no rushing yards, essentially, from the BC Lions at all this week. So that was pretty much the key to this game. Keon Hatcher had a good game. I mean, uh, like I say, Alexander Hollins had that one catch, essentially, for a touchdown. Uh, no, uh, overall... Like I say, BC did what they they did to have a reasonable enough game. Uh, it was a little bit advantageous as well that they played. But uh, no, Winnipeg won the game fair and square. But again, just remember that the West Final, it seems like Winnipeg gets very lucky when it comes to that game. That's fine. That's me at the racetrack every day, man. Yeah, it pays all, the bills. <laughs> all, all things considered, and we kind of touched on it already, where do the BC Lions go from here? Uh, they wait to see what Nathan Rourke does, and if he goes down south, you go with VA, and you try to do what you did for half the season with him, right? Like, there's not a lot you can change with that team. Like you just, I think you got to keep the core together, improve, you know what I mean? And then... And it all comes down to, or do you have Nathan Rourke for another year, or do you have VA going? And I think either way, that okay, over a long period of time, I take Nathan Rourke, yes. But after what happened on you know Sunday, could you 
hindsight's always twenty twenty. Would Vernon Adams have done much different? Probably not. You know, he probably maybe you know maybe threw a couple more picks, but who knows? You know. So going forward, I think you just really need to go from what's going on with Nathan Rourke, which you might not find out till February, March, and then go forward with that. And they're not bringing another quarterback in. I think VA is the guy. I think the only way VA goes elsewhere is if Nathan Rourke stays and VA gets out somehow. But no. But yeah, I, I think BC. I think BC is the number one team next year, regardless of Rourke or not. I, I think even with Vernon Adams, with the talent they have, and if they lock up a lot of the guys, I'll say they're number one. Um, and then I want to see what exactly Calgary and Winnipeg do in the offseason. I give them two, three, and Saskatchewan and Edmonton will kind of be on the bottom again, unless, like I said, unless uh, O'Day spends five million on free agency day and can make a completely new team, which is possible. But yeah, I'll give BC. Just draft well, shore up a couple of your spots that are weaknesses. I don't think you can get much better. Adam? No, I agree. I mean, the big thing I think is that the Winnipeg Blue Bombers let out a terrible curse by beating Nathan Rourke because now he might be PO'd enough to sign a three-year contract and come back and destroy us all. Uh, nevertheless, um, I think that that's mainly BC's big priority in this uh, we this year is Nathan Rourke. If they can get him down to a two, three-year contract, even even a two-year contract, uh, it's going to start with a five. I'm very sure of that because they've got a lot of contracts on the books right now. I think a big question maybe for them on the receiving core would be Lucky Whitehead. Maybe they maybe move on from him just because, again, lots of injuries this year and uh, didn't really have the year that he should have for a $300,000 receiver. So, hey, save that money, put it towards Nathan Rourke, essentially, because you have to. Uh, Another guy maybe would be Brian Burnham to look at. Just, again, veterans, but that's a different story. Brian Burnham did pretty good, though, for the BC Lions and really has some good veteran leadership. And uh, if you don't know all about what veteran leadership can go for you, ask the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Uh, nevertheless, I think that really there's not a lot that BC needs to do. I think maybe a little bit of a tweak here or there. They've got some good guys coming up for offensive line, like Noah Zur, who's going to be big pieces in there eventually. In defense, I think they've got quite a bit with Terry around there and a few others. Uh, if you look over on the running game, maybe you might want to look on James Butler a little bit, but I think you maybe just want to get uh, get more of uh, uh, probably some more uh, uh, help behind him maybe. Uh, again, you got James Butler there, but there was really no depth behind him. So if he couldn't do nothing, you're done. Uh, so... That's the only real thing I could see with them. But yeah, the main priority, of course, is Nathan Rourke. Two things for me. Nathan Ward, find a way to run it fast. Simple as that for me. Try to keep that team together. Uh, really quickly, guys, let's run through the division finals. Betting results powered by uh, Bat Stamp. And I'm just going to fiddle around here for a minute. I uh, forgot my read, my bad here. Um, but anyway, uh, does one of you guys want to <clears throat> go over who did what? In that yeah. While I find the ad read. Yeah, I got it here. So, uh, <laughs> uh, so yeah, on the week... Um, First game, Montreal and Toronto. Ryan and myself took Montreal plus three and a half. Adam took Toronto minus three. Sorry, plus three. Yeah, plus three and a half and minus three. 
Adam got that one right. Big time win there. I thought Toronto would win. I thought it, it it was turning out to be that game that could have ended up that way if Montreal did score. I thought it would be a game that goes to overtime or that last second. So it was not far off, but uh, congrats, Adam, there. That put you at 500 officially, but you needed one more to be 100% 500 on the year. And uh, all three of us went Winnipeg minus four. Another game that I was biting my nails on, though, because it could have been a if they got the touchdown there and failed the two-point conversion or something, or even got it, it could have been lights out. Uh, but yeah, Adam goes 2-0 and on the week. You're 4-0 and in the playoffs. Atta boy. Put yourself at 43-41 and on the year. And with one game left, that means you hit 500. So you made money this year. That's great. Cooper Trooper, Mr. Ryan, 46-38, and going 1-1 on the week. Good odds. And myself, 51-33. and yeah, if only if I actually put money on all those games. I didn't quite do it all year, but yeah, next year. Hey, what could I say? I show up for the playoffs. It's just you got to get into the playoffs. Yeah. After that, anything could happen. So yeah, me being 4-0, that's just dumb luck, by the way. And also, I should just add, uh, because I was looking at this earlier in the uh, little bit here, for those that are still left in the CFL Podcast Network, uh, Fantasy still playing a little bit of playoffs, I'm also first in that. So you know what? I was on you. I was on you. I was up there with Prukup as my quarterback. I was on you. And if Mike Miller got points for that hit he gave on special teams, I think I would have won. But that's fine. Yeah, it was the only week that you shouldn't have picked Nathan Rourke, and I had Nathan Rourke. But uh, overall, for the last four week or for the last four games, I'm still first. I'm going to take it into the uh, into the Grey Cup celebration. Me, and if if I do win both of those. I think on Monday, I might go grab two jugs of milk and celebrate. Anyway, our betting segment was sponsored by BetSnap. BetSnap is a free app that helps you find the best value for your online sports betting wages by providing <laughs> comparisons of odds across a variety of different sports books, including the BetSnap recommended best odds, which we use every week for our CFL pitch against the spread. Learn more at betstamp.app and sign up with referral code CFC. Now, let's have a quick look at the fantasy results. I'm assuming one of you has those fantasy results handy. Um, Adam? I know I muted myself. Just give me one second here. I'm just pulling them up as we say. Yeah, sorry, guys. I'm kind of throwing you guys on the spot. That's okay. Let me just grab it here. Uh, That's my results. Leagues, fantasy league, and I can see you guys from there. So, uh, yeah, like I said before, playoffs overall, I'm first uh, with 120.2 points. uh, uh, And then Ryan has got 112.9. Trey's got 104.9. This is for overall in the playoffs. But last week... Uh, yeah, it was a good, it was, uh, well, it wasn't really a great week for any of us in all honesty. I did take the win somehow. I don't know how I pulled that off with only 56.9 points. Uh, Trey, uh, you ended up in second last week, 52.7 points. And then Ryan, it hasn't been his playoffs. Let's put it that way. 50.6 points. Uh, I don't know what in the world to say about it, but Hey, it's uh hasn't been good here. And Chris over in the chat is telling us that the Eagles are gonna lose. I have gotta see this. I can confirm they're about to take a couple kneel downs. 
I just hate it because if Washington does good, the owner's never going to sell, man. You know, like, he's, oh, no, you know what? After all this U.S. attorney stuff ends, he's going to sell. Oh, yeah, he's going to he's going to have to sell if he's in jail. But if he's out or I don't know, it's just I need to get rid of him. I'm so tired of hearing about Dan Snyder, man. Like, well, mind you, you know what? Harold Ballard did own the lease while in jail. So I just Ryan Reynolds needs to buy the Senators. Get that owner out of there. Maybe week in the NFL when you think the Minnesota Vikings are going to probably be tied for first in the NFC. Ay, ay, ay. What did this come to? But that's besides the point uh, for the moment. Um, I want to add a real quick betting thing I did. It's for yeah, fun, I put I put $2 on Team Canada to win the FIFA World Cup. If that comes in, it's $600. So let's go uh, Let's go, Team Canada there, man. Alfonso Davies is going to need to get me like 10 goals, man. Yeah, the World Cup begins in Qatar. Qatar. Um, Sunday in Doha, Qatar. I know some people that are going. Not me, unfortunately. I I wouldn't I couldn't because I thought they weren't allowing beer to be there so I can't well, make it. Apparently, apparently there's a story where they told the beer vendors that they had to be less visible in the stadium. Um, so apparently that's part of their that's part of their uh, beer regulation. I I also heard that you have to go sit in a tent outside to prove you're not drunk, and then they'll let you out. Uh, I don't know how true that is, but you know, I, I, I couldn't, I wouldn't be shocked in the part of the world it's in. Well, Budweiser is a huge sponsor of FIFA, so I would imagine I, that, that no, that's true. Or something. It's true, but in a country that it's uh, prohibition, like you know, yeah, I know, FIFA but has it, so much power over all those things. No, well, but that also FIFA got bought out to put it there. So <laughs> anyway, <laughs> we could have a whole spinoff on FIFA, and they're the most corrupt. Uh, Entity other than maybe NCAA. <laughs> really quickly, guys, where can people find you on your social medias? And we'll start with Adam. Yeah, you can find me at Adam Stewart One or Farmer in Sask if you're looking for your farm stuff. Uh, I probably start posting some more YouTube videos here shortly, so uh, should be a pretty good show there. Uh, the other thing I just wanted to bring up really quickly here, uh, because Trey, you asked for it. Bob Wiley is now the offensive coordinator of our offensive line coach of the Vegas Vipers of the XFL, uh, just for interest sake. And Bill Belichick did play Division Three college football. <laughs> so I just thought I'd look that up for fun stats. But uh, yeah, cool little facts to, uh, that nobody will ever ask you probably ever again. Uh, but yeah, I agree. Bob Wiley for head coach. I don't care where he goes in the CFL. 100%. Uh, we're going to start a campaign on Twitter for that this week. Uh, but yeah, I'll be at the Great Cup for a little bit, I think. Uh, so I might do some stuff there. So hey, follow me around. Uh, I'll take lots of pictures and, you know, send it over to Trey to remind him where my seats are in case, you know, he, he wants to join me. Trey, where can people find you? Uh, Twitter. I really want those tickets, man. <laughs> you can't do that, Timmy. I've been trying so hard to win the money, man. I don't have that money, man. I'm on. I live on student aid, and and that's about it right now. You but have to um, go on a payment plan. Yeah, those that those interest rates, though, man, will get me. I know what you'll do. It'll be like thirty nine percent a day. But yeah, you can find me at Twitter at Trey MB Harness. Always got some horse racing stuff on there. Uh, 
If you're interested in what I do, there's a it's called the National Driving Championship. So eight drivers from across Canada, two from each region, Western, Ontario, Quebec, and Maritimes. Uh, they compete for the right to represent Canada in the worlds that go on next year. So this it's pretty interesting. In the world, I think there's like 12 countries, Canada, U.S., New Zealand, Australia. So it's kind of the Scotties of horse racing. So if you want to check it out, follow me on Twitter. I'll talk about it. It's on November 4th. Uh, other than that, Star Wars, Marvel. Yes, Adam. Uh, one thing, though, um, we got to get done, though, before we leave, because I don't know if Michael will uh, be here on Thursday. Mike, we need your predictions in person on the Grey Cup here. All right. Are you ready? Before I tell the bad story, I'm picking the Toronto Ardenauts. Because Boo. the teams I have a propensity of pitching do not win. As is evidenced by my Facebook post from this weekend where I posted about six pits and not one of them panned out. So on that regard, pitching the Toronto Argonauts in a close one. Does that make sense? So in other words, in reverse psychology, you're picking uh, another team in blue by a long, by a long shot. Correct. Um, anyway, that is great, guys. Thank you so much. Speaking of what is coming up next, as... Uh, Jalen Hurts has just fumbled the last play of the game, so it's going to be a fumble return touchdown. 32-21, Washington wins. Uh, looking ahead, it is the Grey Cup preview. This will go on Thursday night. I don't know how long you two and Ryan can go on previewing one game, but we're about to find out as the posturing for pits he dance. I wish you guys good luck in trying to execute that show on Thursday. You can catch all these shows and more every week over on YouTube by searching the Today Football Countdown, Facebook, Facebook.com slash CF Countdown, Twitter at CF at CF Countdown Pod, twitch.tv slash CF Countdown Pod, and on the daytime TV YouTube page. This is all made possible by our presenting sponsor, Gametime TV. Learn more by visiting watch.gametimetv.ca or by following on Facebook, facebook.com slash Gametime TV. MB. Want to follow us on social media? You can do so on Facebook and Twitter. <clears throat> Excuse me. At CF Countdown Pod. And make sure you visit and check out CF Pod Network on Twitter for all the other great shows around the Canadian Football Podcast Network. Whatever podcast platform you're listening on, we appreciate it. We wouldn't do this without your support. Thank you so much for uh, all the support this season. Now, as always, enjoy it. I know I'm not here on Thursday, so everybody, please enjoy the great trip. Please do so responsibly. Uh, I can't believe we're here. The final and biggest game in the Canadian Football League 
goes on on Sunday evening. So the great Adam Stewart and the great Trey Corbett, it's Michael Jelsey, and thank you so much for watching and listening to today's show. And the boys will be back to preview the Great Cup on Thursday. Thank you so much for watching and listening, everybody, wherever this may take you. Good night.